episode 15 of Thief's monthly movie loot, where I see a bunch of films and tell you if they're good. We're approaching the end of June and I'm having a mad dash to meet my quota for the month, but here we are. Let's talk about Middle of the Pack, the five films I've seen during the last week or two. A horror film. If there's a common trend this last week's is me flexing the categories of it. For example, last episode I had a bit of fun categorizing The Lighthouse as a film about friends, which anyone that has seen the film can attest is accurate. So for this category I chose 2018 Overlord, which is a film that, on hindsight, I wouldn't fully categorize as horror. But anyway, it is set in World War II and the film follows a small group of soldiers with the mission to destroy a German radio tower. However, they end up discovering a secret lab where Germans have been performing experiments on dead people that result in immortality and super strength, so zombies for all intents and purposes. Like I said, I wouldn't consider the film as horror properly, but more like an action, sci-fi, thriller, mishmash, but there's enough to warrant the horror tag anyway. When you boil it down, the film doesn't seem to have high aspirations other than to be a non-stop thrill ride, but it does achieve that pretty darn well. From the get-go, the film has you on the edge of your seat with a nerve-wracking opening as the soldiers' plane approach enemy territory, and it ends with an adrenaline-fueled long tracking shot as one of our heroes escapes from an explosion. Most of the cast is solid and really likable, with the two leads, Joanne Adepo and Wyatt Russell, being the most notable performances. Adepo leans slightly towards Bland, but he has the heart needed for the role, while Russell falls on the volatile and more intense side of the spectrum. Funny thing about Russell is that as I'm watching the film, I'm beating myself thinking, where have I seen him before? After the film ended, I quickly checked and found out he's the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, and after reading it, it clicked, now I just cannot see it. I mean, seriously, the resemblance to both is uncanny. Finally, Pilo Ashbeck, who played Euron Greyjoy on Game of Thrones, has the hammer role as the bad guy, and he does it well. One could argue there could have been more zombies on the film, and it does play things a bit safe in the end, but overall I thought this was a lot of fun. A film about a meteor. This category comes because of Meteor Day, which is June 30, and for it I chose 1984's Night of the Comet. Again, this is me flexing the categories a bit. A comet is not necessarily a meteor, but meteors can come from comets, so in the words of Community's Professor Cheng, I'll allow it. The film follows two sisters, Reggie and Samantha, played by Catherine Marie Stewart and Kelly Maroney, as they find themselves alone in California after a passing comet turns most of the population into either ashes or mindless zombies. As a result, they have to defend themselves from the creatures, but also from a group of scientists that want to use them for experiments. I have heard good things about this one on internet forums and social media, but I have to say it just didn't work that well for me. The performances are subpar, the pacing is weird, the plot seems unfocused and somewhat rambling, the film isn't gory enough to be horror nor funny enough to be comedy, so it ends up in a somewhat weird, stale middle spot where you just don't know what to make of it. In the end, I can enjoy some of its goofiness, appreciate its innocent charm and absurdities, but not much more. A film with a repeated word in its title. National Repeat Day was on June 3, which is why I chose this category. I ended up going for a rewatch of 1996 Eye for an Eye. National Repeat Day was on June 3, which is why I chose this category. I ended up going for a rewatch of 1996 Eye for an Eye. 
This is one I had seen back in the day and remember being somewhat disturbed by it, but I really didn't remember a lot about it. The film follows Karen McCann, played by Sally Field, as she tries to cope with the rape and murder of her teenage daughter at the hands of a vicious criminal called Robert Doob, played by Kiefer Sutherland. When Doob walks away on a technicality, Karen finds herself struggling on whether to continue with her life or take matters in her own hands. The 90s are filled with these crime and or home invasion thrillers, but I think most of them haven't aged properly. First of all, none of the performances are great, although Sutherland might be its saving grace. Also, Ed Harris is a blessing even in minor thankless roles like Karen's husband. Second, the film sells itself as if presenting some sort of moral crossroad with the detective investigating the daughter's murder played by Joe Mantegna and a female friend Karen meets at a grief counseling group on one side and a couple of shady guys that help her get a gun and plan Doob's murder on the other side. The thing is that those subplots don't really amount to anything in the end as they end up leading nowhere. Instead, the film drops the moral dilemma it presents in its title, tagline, and first half because, of course, Doob is vicious and evil and he has to die. There's still some enjoyment in it, but in the end, it is the equivalent of a slightly above average TV film. A film with Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was born June 1, which is why I wanted to see one of her films. I had only seen two, All About Eve and Some Like It Hot, so I really would have liked to get my hands on her other most notable films like Seven Year Each or Gentlemen Prefer Blondes or The Asphalt Jungle. Unfortunately, most of her films weren't available streaming, so I ended up settling for a little film called Hometown Story in which she has a small role. Released in 1951, Hometown Story follows Blake Washburn, played by Jeffrey Lynn, a former senator that returns to his hometown after losing his re-election bid and starts running a small newspaper. Sparked by his political rival whose father owns a big motor company, Washburn starts targeting big corporations with his editorials. For half of its duration, I was mildly interested by Washburn's crusade and motivations, but by the second half I was rolling my eyes at how it became pretty much a propaganda for capitalism and big businesses. Considering the time it was released, I suppose it came to be as a result of McCarthyism and the Cold War. Despite its flaws, most of the performances were pretty good. Lynn is a solid lead, and so is Marjorie Reynolds, who plays his girlfriend. Donald Crisp has perhaps the showier role as the father of Washburn's rival, an important CEO who gives Blake a speech on what quote-unquote true profit means. Monroe plays the role of Washburn's secretary in a relatively small role. Still, one thing I admire about her, at least in the few films I've seen, is that despite being known as a sex symbol, she's usually portrayed as a rather confident and strong-willed woman on her performances. Sure, men in those films are often ogling and leering at her, but not by her choice. The other plus I can think of is that the film is barely an hour, so it ends up feeling quite breezy despite its flaws. So if you're a Monroe completist or are just trying to get another one under your belt, this might be a quick choice. A film about fathers. This category is obviously because of Father's Day, and I went with 2018 High Life, and oh boy, where to begin. 
First things first, this is my first Claire Denis film. I've read some of her films are quite challenging and just after watching the film, I was listening to an episode of Film Spotting about the film where film critic Scott Tobias said he wouldn't recommend this film as an entry into her work, but here I am doing just that. This is also my third Robert Pattinson film. Last episode I talked about The Lighthouse, which was my second Pattinson, so it's been interesting to dive into his body of work as well. With that said, I was not prepared to how heavy this film would be. High Life follows Monty, played by Pattinson, the surviving member of a space crew of criminals sent on a mission to a distant black hole. For reasons that are revealed as the film progresses, Monty has been left alone on the ship taking care of Baby Willow. Through flashbacks, Denis reveals the events that lead to Monty's current situation, which includes clashes between the other criminals, a crazy doctor doing crazy experiments with them, and a lot of sexual imagery. I finished the film about two nights ago and spent the next day thinking about it, which is usually a good sign, but I still was not sure what to make of it. However, on my way home from work, while listening to the podcast I mentioned, which also featured an interview with Denis herself, it somehow clicked. When gathering my thoughts about a film, I usually look for certain quotes or pieces of dialogue that for me encapsulate what the film's message or thesis is, and in this case, I had already settled on a line from Monty where he says, We were scum. Trash. Refuse that didn't fit into the system. Until someone had the bright idea of recycling us to serve science. So, different people can get different things out of it, but to me, this is a story about second chances and what we make of them. Most of the characters, or at least the ones we focus on, are directly or indirectly given a chance to atone for past mistakes. From Monty to his best friend on the spaceship, played by Andre Benjamin, and finally to the quote-unquote crazy doctor, played by Juliette Binoche. Unfortunately, not all of them use it wisely, but for those that do and struggle through, it ends up being a rewarding, beautiful experience. I can think of a better way to describe how this film felt for me. A struggle at first, but ultimately rewarding and beautiful. The more I think of it, the more I love it. So that's everything I've seen this month so far. I still have five more categories pending and five days remaining on the month. So like I said, it's going to be a mad dash to the finish line. The categories I have pending are a film with the number six in its title, a film about LGBTQ lifestyles, a film set in Hawaii, a film from the Philippines, and a film with the word summer in its title. I'd like to hear some recommendations for any of these categories, so feel free to look me up on Twitter at TIFCGT, T-H-I-E-F-C-G-T, or on Letterboxd as TIFF12. In addition to any recommendation, you can also write to me to let me know what you think of the podcast or of the films I've discussed already, share your opinions, agreements, disagreements. Also, don't forget to like, follow, and share the link. With that said, episode 15 is out of the window. Thanks everybody for listening. I wish the best to every single one of you. Take care. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not great at farewell, so uh, that'll do, Pete. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie.